Hello and welcome to Soul Survivor Main Meeting Talks from April Conference 2019. We hope you enjoy. Thank you. Great to be here with you. What an awesome lounge room you've got, Matt. Look. So good. Okay. Oh, she said it. Gotcha. <laughs> ah, I like it. Now, Eliane, for those of us who haven't met you yet, uh, Eliane, tell us a little bit about yourself. So, I'm Eliane. Uh, I am married to Chris. I have a little baby who was here earlier dancing to the music. He's eight months old. His name's Jacob. Um, I used to work at Northside. And, Matt, you have been, can I say, this is meant to be about me, but just to switch gears, Matt used to mentor me. And so I would catch up with Matt and I would vent about everything I was finding difficult in life. And Matt would just go, "Mm mm-hmm, yeah, it's okay, it's okay. And so we're still here. Like, I feel like so many of us, are here because of you, Matt, and so thank you. And you know, my thank you, let's just give Matt a big clap. <laughs> my journey with Soul Survivor actually started a little bit before you, Matt. Mike Pilavachi, has anyone heard him speak, Soul Survivor UK? I was impacted by his ministry when I was 12 uh, in a big youth gathering, kind of like this one. It's radically changed my life, so I've got a big heart for Soul Survivor. Professionally, what I do is I help organizations, businesses, not-for-profits, charities, help them to understand what's happening in our world, demographically, our social trends, tech trends, and then kind of respond to all of the stuff that's changing in our world in a way that makes sense for their clients or their donors or the people they're trying to connect with. So that's, that's what I do professionally now. So God's a big journey from ministry to to the business world. It's been fun. Wonderful, wonderful. Are you ready to pray for Eliane? Have you got your Bibles, your pens, your note-taking devices? Because Jesus is about to do stuff. Are you ready? All right. Lord Jesus, our friend, come and shape us. Thank you for the way that you are shaping Eliane and her family. We pray your blessing on Chris and Jacob tonight. And now, Lord, we open our hearts and our minds to you in your word and by your spirit. Bless Eliane and open up our lives to you. Amen. Thank you, Matt. You know, a lot of talks that I give are centered on me having everything put together. Getting up on stage, wearing the nice suit and jacket and the great slide deck and and hoping that because it's so polished, people will connect. And, and tonight, things are a little bit different. When Matt asked me to share, I thought, what are we going to do? We're going to do things a bit raw, a bit real. And I hope that's okay with you guys tonight. So rather than having everything together, tonight is actually about being broken, being imperfect, uh, not having all our ducks lined up in a row. And, and I hope that's okay with you guys because that's the space where Jesus does his best work, isn't it? when we're broken and messy and we're in a place of imperfection. Uh, Tonight, I want to share with you about something that's very close to my heart. I want to share with you tonight that all of us were created for connection. We were created for connection. At the very beginning of time, when God created us in Genesis 1, verse 26, 27, It says, let us make humankind in our image, in our likeness. And then Jesus, uh, sorry, then God made 
mankind. He made them male and female in his likeness. If we're made in the image and the likeness of God, we have to ask, well, what is God? Who is God? What does it mean to be made in his image? At the very core of who God is, is is the Trinity. Now, the Trinity is a pretty complex, complex type of thing. Three persons in one. How do you get three in one? I don't really know. I don't even know how the whole two in one thing happens that you were referring to earlier. What is three in one? What's three persons but one God? And it took me a long time, and I'm still trying to grapple my head around it, but theologians and, and people who study this stuff, they They've kind of worked out some language to put around how this whole thing works. And, and the way that it works is that the three persons of the Trinity, they have this thing together that they call perichoresis, which is this um, fancy word which means self-giving love or the, the self-giving dance of God. And so what's happening in the Trinity is that the persons of the Trinity, the Father, the Son, and the Spirit are constantly moving together, flowing together, giving of themselves to each other in this divine dance. They're connected in this incredible thing that I guess we in our language would call community, where they're never apart from each other, but always working together, always connected in one. And so if we're made in the image of God, we are made as people who are created for connection, created for community, created to love others, to give of ourselves to the other. And when Jesus came and sacrificed himself on the cross, what he did was open up that connection that he has with the Father and the Spirit and say, I'm going to now invite you in to the community of God. I'm going to invite you in to the connection. That is what it means to be reconciled, to be brought back in to the love and the, the, of, of the Father. And, and the love of God through Jesus. You know, when, when Jesus, um, before Jesus went to the Garden of Gethsemane to be crucified, it says in John 17, Jesus prayed and he, he gave this prayer, which I just want to read to you. And maybe if you've got your Bibles, anyone got their Bibles with them? If you've got your Bibles, um, just flip to John, the Gospel of John chapter 17. This is one of my favorite, favorite, favorite scriptures where, where Jesus really articulates the very core of what he's passionate about to the heart of God. You know, he's lived his earthly ministry. He's, he's healed people. He's proclaimed the goodness of the kingdom of God. And now he knows that things are about to get pretty heavy, that he's going to go to the cross, that he's going to be betrayed, that he's going to be lonely and isolated. And, and what he prays in this moment when he says he prays for the disciples, he prays for himself, he prays for himself, then his disciples, and then he prays for you guys for all people who would follow him throughout eternity. And so in in John chapter 17, verse 20, Jesus says, I am praying not only for these disciples, the ones who've been with me, who've been hanging out with me, but also for all who will ever believe in me through their message. I pray that they will all be one, just as you and I are one. As you are in me, Father, and I am in you, may they be in us so the world will believe that you sent me. May they be in us. May they be connected in the mutual indwelling, sharing love that we share with each other. May they find connection and community. You know, we're living in a crisis 
of disconnection. We seem to be spending more time than ever connecting. We have seven times as many devices, connected devices, as people on the planet. The average young person has over 400 Facebook friends. Now, hands up if that's you. Any more, more than 400? What about not on Facebook? Let's go to Instagram, Snapchat. Combine them all, whatever else you're using. More than 400 total followers or people. Hands up. Yeah, okay, okay, a few, few people in the room. Now you're beginning to count. We have more connections, online social connections, and yet we're more disconnected than we've ever been. We're spending more time connecting, spending 10 hours and 19 minutes on average on screens every day. 10 hours, 19 minutes, the average young person in this country spends two, the average female spends two hours a day on social media. That's aged 14 to 24. Two hours, the average male a little bit less, one hour and 15 minutes on social media. But are we connected? Are we really connected? Well, the stats and the numbers and the figures say that we're actually not connected. We have a crisis of disconnection in our nation. More than half of people say that at least once a week, they are lonely. They're feeling isolated. One in four Australians feels lonely at least three days per week. We are disconnected. Uh, loneliness has become the new epidemic where it's connected to, to um, all sorts of health risks and issues, mental health, physical health. Being lonely is equivalent to smoking 15 cigarettes per day. I mean, being lonely is physically and emotionally and spiritually killing us. And it, it shows um, the, the real issue, which is the disconnection from the love of God. You've got so many people now, um, some, of the, the, some of the key figures in our nation who are saying, actually, yes, that's me. I am lonely. I don't know if anyone remembers Casey Donovan, who won the 2004 Australian Idol. She was on SBS Insight the other night and just pouring her heart out going, actually, yeah, I'm actually really lonely. Even though I'm famous and I write lots of songs and people know me. And the other day I listened to One Republic and they have a song called Can I Get a Connection? And they sing, can I get a connection? I'm lonely. I can see it in my reflection. Take me to the places and the people that know me. I'm thinking maybe you could show me if there's so many people here, then why am I so lonely. We all know that feeling connected isn't just spending time with people in the room, otherwise you'd be best friends with everyone that you go to school with. Being connected is actually about sharing part of who you are. And I know that these things are real and true, not only because the stats say so, but because I have experienced this in such a real way in the last six to eight months. You know, since my baby was born, I, I always thought I had a lot of friends. I got friends on five continents. I'm originally Swiss, then Canadian, and then I've been here for 12 years. I can't believe some of you aren't even 12 years old. Um, so it's, 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 um, it's incredible. So I thought I, would, I was connected. Um, I thought that I had people in my world. I thought that I was known. And then I had a baby. And all of a sudden, I'm spending all my days with a little creature who can't talk to me, um, who, who can't really react to what I'm doing. And I found myself really lonely. 
I've, I've never experienced what loneliness is until this last season. You know, I, I remember just a few weeks ago, I was walking down um, in the park. I thought I'd just take my baby out for a walk. And I'm walking at the Oval in my community, and I just was pushing the pram. And as always, people are quite friendly when you've got a baby. And it's like, oh, tell me about the baby. And you have a little laugh. And then I, I had a little exchange, and then I kept walking. And then I just had these like tears streaming down my face. And I just felt like the void of, of loneliness. In that moment, I felt like, oh, no one, no one gets what I'm going through. No one understands what this feels like. No one knows how hard this is. And, and I know if, if you're anything like, like me, you've experienced those moments. They're really difficult to articulate. They're hard to describe. But we've all had moments where we felt like we were alone and no one really got what we were going through. I know that. I know that there's moments where each one of you have been there, where there's moments where you go, oh, no one gets it. I just feel so alone. And so tonight, what I want to share with you is just a few things that, that I'm learning on my journey of loneliness, of feeling alone, of what the Holy Spirit is teaching me in this season, in this season of, of journeying something that's very foreign to me and journeying something that's quite scary at times. Three things. You know, firstly, true connection. True connection. If we're looking for real connection, true connection happens in real life. True connection is a real thing. Something I've had to learn is that it's not about being perfect. So much of our world is centered around being perfect, making ourselves look perfect, act perfect, be perfect. Um, I, I recently went to the, the gym. Um, I don't go very often, but I did go one time. And, um, and, and when I went, I decided to join a Zumba class. Now, does anyone know what Zumba is? Yes, yes. Okay, so Zumba is like a Latino dance class that's choreo choreographed. And when I went to this Zumba class, I thought I was just getting there and, and doing some, some Latino dance moves. Um, and, and I realized very quickly that there was a lot of people who'd been to this class many, 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 many times before. And unfortunately, I made the mistake of showing up to the class and, and asking the guy at the front um, what I should do because I was new and I was going to tell him that I was a newbie and I didn't know anything. And he said, oh, why don't you stay right here in the front of the class? And then you can see what's happening because if you're at the back, you can't really see. So there I am, my first time in Zumba, and I get stuck at the very front of, of this big class, about 50 or 60 people doing dance moves. And you know what happened? This lady who loved Zumba, she was very, very excited to be there. Um, she, she had obviously done the class 100, maybe two, 300 times before. And she was so intent on being perfect in every Zumba move that she kept like jumping into me and pushing me, and she looked so uncomfortable because instead of doing the nice, like, sort of Latino dance, you know, like, swaying of the hips, and she was so rigid and so um, perfected in her moves, and I just thought she was just, she just looked like she was having a terrible time, a terrible time in the dance class, and, and how many of you, do you know people, and they look so perfect, like, they've got everything together, they've got their eyebrows done, like, perfectly, and the the lip liner and, and just, just everything about them. Their shoes are so white. I mean, their shoes are just so white. They just look so perfect. How many of you know 
that it's so unattractive and so not real to be perfect. I mean, often people who are perfect or who look perfect are really not having a great time in life. In, in the Bible, we read over and over that God looks at the inward appearance. There's a story in Samuel about um, the prophet Samuel anointing David as king, and he goes through all of David's brothers, you know, the tall guy, the muscular guy, um, the guy who looks like he's got the best grades, the guy who's got it all together. But he says, no, 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 this isn't, these, these, these boys, they're not God's chosen. Have you got any other brothers? And they say, oh, there's the little one, he's in the field, and he's kind of just tending to the flock. And he goes, Samuel goes, bring him over here, bring him over here. And he goes, this is God's anointed, the short, straggly guy that no one thought would be, uh, could, could have anything to offer. You know, in God's kingdom, God is about the heart. It says, God, um, in Samuel 16, 7, don't judge by his appearance or height, for I have rejected him. I've rejected the guy who looks like he's got it all together. The Lord does not see things in the way that you see them. People judge by outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. The Lord looks at the heart. What is the heart? You know, the heart is the birthplace and the seat of all of our motivations, all of our emotions, all of the reasons why we do what we do, all of the, the place where we can actually connect in a really real way. And the challenge these days is that the heart isn't really valued. What we value, what society values is how we look. We've come so far that we've created um, this world where we esteem things um, like the image of how things are rather than how they really are. You know, you can go to pop-up museums and you can take a photo with a whole bunch of plastic balls and it looks all colorful and beautiful and you put it on your Instagram and it looks like you've had a great experience. Or you can go to the pizza museum and take a photo of yourself with a great guitar pizza and go like, I went here. And everyone's like, wow, that's awesome. But the thing is that we're worshiping the aura or the image of the experience. In Russia, there's a company who now offers a three-hour experience where they do, um, this is for ladies mainly, they do your hair and your makeup and they give you champagne and you, you go to the tarmac where there's a private jet and it's parked on the tarmac. And so you're in a private jet and you've got your hair and your makeup done, you're drinking your champagne and then they take photos of you and then you get to upload those photos onto your social media accounts and you get to show the world that you're having a great private jet experience. Well, the problem is the jet never takes off. It's literally a three-hour photo shoot experience to make it look like these ladies are having the time of their life and the money to spend on these private jet experiences. It's not real. Real connection happens in real life. You know, the, the offline is always better than the online. The offline is always better than the online. The online is great. It's funny. It's hilarious. It's good. It's, it's really great. But genuine, true connection never happens online. Genuine connection never happens online. Why is that? Because you put yourself out there, and no matter how real and authentic and vulnerable you are, it's always open to interpretation. Someone can always take that however they want. There's no empathy. There's no real connection. The best houses are never listed. They're always gone and for sale before they ever hit realestate.com.au. The best jobs are never listed. 
Um, they're usually word of mouth. The best things are offline. Real connection happens offline. The other thing I've learned is that real connection, true connection requires us to relate. What do I mean when I say relate? So true connection happens in the real world. True connection requires us to relate. Now that might sound like, okay, yeah, of course, you have to relate to connect, to have friends, not to be lonely. Um, But can I say it's easier to take photos of a baby It's easier to talk about the baby to other people than to actually get down on the floor and spend 24-7 of your life speaking to a human being and relating to a human being that can't connect back with you. It's easier to go to church and to talk about God. It's easier to think about Him and to sing about Him and to be around other people who talk about Him and sing about Him and, 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 and worship Him than it is sometimes to actually talk to Him. How is it that there's so many things that get in the way of us relating to God? Because sometimes it's just, it's just hard to tune in. There's a lot of things that get in the way. I know at times that um, even the most confident people can be, can, can be so scared of, of having face-to-face connection. You know, I, I consider myself someone who genuinely loves um, to connect with people. I love to socialize. I love to invite people into conversations. Um, and yet I still have moments where I feel so, so scared of relating to people, of connecting. I had one of these moments recently in Melbourne. I was asked to speak at this event where a really important person was speaking in front of me. He was some minister for some sort of, I don't know, charities commission or something. And the whole thing was getting taped and, um, sorry, not taped, videoed. Um, and put online, and I was really nervous. And so we had this morning, morning tea sort of break before I was going to get on. And, and I remember um, there was some croissants over here and some hot tea over here. And I thought, oh, do I go to the croissants or do I go to the hot tea? Like, where do I go to kind of escape all these people that I don't want to talk to? And so what I ended up doing was neither of those things. I actually went to the bathroom. <laughs> Have you ever done? I've actually went to the bathroom, and I literally sat in the bathroom stall to try to compose myself because I was so anxious but having to relate to these people. And I sat there and I thought, oh, I can do this. I can do this. It's going to be okay. I can do this. I can do this. Yes, I can do this. And I don't know, if, um, has anyone experienced this before? You're like, you're just in a moment where you're feeling particularly small and particularly like, oh, I just, I'm just so scared about relating. You know, social anxiety is real. And, and, and it, yet God gives us the courage to, 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 to come out of ourselves. And it does happen over time. They say that the average... Friendship uh, takes 200 hours. It takes 200 hours for you to spend with someone before they become a close friend. It takes about 50 hours to have a casual friend, about 90 hours to be like a friend, kind of a friend, and 200 hours to be a real friend. Um, And the challenge is that if we spend so much of our time on screens, we spend less of our times in face-to-face interaction. And that trend has been going up. We've been slowly spending more time looking at screens and less time in face-to-face interaction. And, and that's, wh- why, why is that a, a problem? It's a problem because we, we've lost the ability to, to look one another in the eyes and go, hey, how are you going? What's actually happening? We've lost the ability to go, oh, I need help. You know, recently I was... Um, I felt like I really needed to connect with some local mums in the community, so I thought, how do I go about this? 
And I put a little Facebook post on a local group. Um, uh, it's like a, a, a group on Facebook where um, all of the neighbors in our, our area live. So our street has a little group. And I thought, oh, I'm just going to post on there. And, and I posted this post and I wrote, um, hello, families out there. Um, I've got a little baby. If there's anyone else like me out there with any babies, let's get together and we'll have play group. Um, so that's what I posted. Um, please PM me. I'd love to hear from you. And like no one, po- no one wrote back. <laughs> um, and for me, when I wrote that, that was like a cry for help. That was like a, I'm so lonely and I really would love some people to spend some time with. Like I, it, but then I read the post and it kind of looked like a really yuppie, cool, young woman who's like, oh yeah, I'm fine. But like if you're around, just like let me know. But it was like a cry, like honestly, it was such a cry for help. And how many of us, like we post a poem or we post a photo or we post a video or we just put a little anecdote up of like this thing. Um, But it's actually like this deep inner cry for help. It's like, oh, I need, like you put a, a photo of a waterfall and go, the darkness is overwhelming. Like, it's, it's, it's like, it's like I've, I've seen people, I've seen like my, my, my brother, sorry, my, my brother, um, brother-in-law, he's like, he's like 20 going on 15. And, and he, he puts these, he puts these posts up and he writes these poems. And I'm like, I don't understand what you're trying to say. But there's so many things that people post that's like, they're, they're trying so hard to, to say to the world, hey, Help me. Be with me. I'm really struggling here. Like, this is really tough. But no one knows because it's so encrypted and so doesn't look like a real call for help, does it? We have to relate if we want real connection. We have to relate. The longer that we we don't, um, the more difficult it gets. It's a little bit like... um, a SCOBY. Does anyone know what a SCOBY is? Yes. So I, I drink kombucha from time to time. And there's this, um, there's this thing. Kombucha is like a magic drink. There's this thing called a SCOBY. There's some kombucha right here. It doesn't have a SCOBY in it. It's post-production. There's, there's a sco- so, so I've got like the, the real thing at home where you can make your own kombucha. And it's like the SCOBY is like a giant living, breathing organism of bacteria, right? And it's this festering thing that creates fermented kombucha. It's quite amazing. Um, I decided, however, that I would stop drinking kombucha for some time, just for some reasons. I just thought I'm going to have a break from the kombucha. But the, the issue is that the SCOBY, it like keeps producing bacteria and it keeps festering and it keeps like creating this blubbly, gross bacteria culture that's meant to be good for you. And I just put it off for the longest time. I just put it off. I thought, oh, i got to deal with that. It's in the darkness, in the cupboard. Um, hopefully, like, it'll be okay when I get back to it. And I put it off for weeks and weeks and weeks and weeks. And when I finally got around to having the courage to deal with my SCOBY and cut it in half and look to give it some TLC and, and hope that it would be okay for the next batch, it was so hard and disgusting. It was like the whole thing was just no longer fit for purpose, and, and it, I ruined it because I didn't tend to it. Now, how many places in life are like that, where things just go down the drain because we don't look after them? The longer that we wait having face-to-face connection, the harder it will be. The longer that we wait putting ourselves out there and being real, the harder it will be. Scientists 
And researchers have come up with all sorts of ways um, to help us relate to others. A couple of them I want to share with you tonight. A few things to help us not think about ourselves on social media so much, which is really, really hard, I know. Spend more time in nature. Have time out from our devices. Keep it light. If you're fretting about what to post, don't post it. It's not worth it. Don't be antisocial. Remember, there's another person on the other side. Use your posts to build others up. Instead of using I or me, think about how you can edify another person. And focus on a close circle of friends and family rather than a huge network of people that you might have connections with. As we put ourselves out there, God promises that he will put the lonely in families. He sets the prisoners free and he gives them joy. Isn't that awesome? That's in Psalm 68, verse 6. God places the lonely in families. He sets the prisoners free and he gives them joy. True connection requires us to relate. Number three, thirdly, true connection requires risk. It requires risk. It's a little bit like stepping on the edge of that platform when you're about to bungee jump. Has anyone bungee jumped? Hopefully not. Your parents won't let you. Good. Um, I bungee jumped when I turned 18, to my parents' dismay. Um, don't follow my advice. But it was very scary. And I remember sitting, I remember standing on the edge of the platform. And there was like, I don't know how many meters below me. I just looked down and there was a pool at the bottom. And thankfully, I told them not to, to put me into the, the pool. I just wanted to land slightly above the water. But I remember standing on that precipice and going, oh, my gosh, this is so scary and so risky. What if it breaks? You know, real connection that happens offline is very risky. It requires something of ourselves. It takes courage. It takes courage uh, to connect. And, and, and it, it requires us to sometimes go, hey, I, I'm not okay. You know, um, when I shared earlier um, just tonight about being in that park and just having those tears stream down my face, like, that sucked. And I remember a few days later, um, when I didn't get any response on my little Facebook message to my local community, um, I thought, I've actually got to reach out. I've actually got to be okay not being okay. And do um, you know how hard that is? You know, our whole lives, we are told that we have to be independent. We've got to do things ourselves. We have to to make sure that, that we're okay, that we have it all together. I, I moved out when I was 18. I, I got my first job when I was like 12 or 13. Um, I, I, um, I, I drove a car with a full license when I was 16. You could do that in Canada at the time. Um, I was, I was in Miss Independent. When I moved here at 19, I decided I would pay for all my uni up front, and I worked three jobs, and I studied, and I got the best grades. And I held it all together. And, and if anyone could have done it, if anyone could be independent, like, it was me. Like, I was the one that could do it all, that could balance and juggle. And all of a sudden, I get to my early 30s and I have a little baby. And all of a sudden, I look at that baby every single day and I go, oh, like, I actually, I don't, I don't want to do it by myself. I can't do it by myself. Like, for the first time in my life, after being independent and doing everything for myself and everyone else, I went, oh, actually, I, I can't, I can't, I can't anymore. And you know how hard that is? It's risky. It's risky to text someone you've just met who you think, oh, maybe they're a nice person and go, 
hey, I'm feeling really lonely today. Do you mind if I just come over with my baby? And, and that's what I had to do. I had to literally go, hey, I'm, I'm just really struggling. Would you mind? Would you mind? And God's showing me that being in connection, being in true connection, it requires something of ourselves. It requires us to be vulnerable, requires us to reach out. And, and what's the worst thing that could happen? You know, you jump off the bungee and, and, and the thing breaks. You know, you text your friend and, and she says, oh, that's weird and, and doesn't reply. Or you say to someone, hey, I'm really struggling and they change the topic because they're awkward and they feel that that's awkward. And that's, that's the worst thing that can happen, really, by you going, hey, I've got some challenges and I'm going through some stuff and it's really tough right now. What's the best thing that can happen? You get a new friend. You get to connect with others. You get to be in relationship. You get to have true connection. You get to be part of this amazing um, community of God uh, that, that where people build each other up. You know, in, in, um, in Hebrews, there's an amazing passage I just want to read to you as we respond. Um, and it's been so encouraging to me. It's written to a whole bunch of Christians in Jerusalem who were pretty intellectual, who had things all together. Um, the writer of Hebrews is a pretty smart, scholarly sort of guy. And yet, this, at the time, the, 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 the Jewish Christians in Jerusalem, they're going through some really tough stuff. Uh, the Christians are getting persecuted. Life is getting hard. Uh, things are not going as peachy as they might have um, before. And, and so the writer of Hebrews, he encourages them to keep going. He encourages them that even in the midst of an environment that's hostile towards them, even in an environment where, where Jesus um, isn't cool, where Jesus isn't um, esteemed. In fact, people are dying because of the faith. People are being persecuted. People are um, being put in jail because they profess in the reality and the truth of Jesus. This writer writes in Hebrews Chapter 10, verse 19, he says, So, dear brothers and sisters, we can boldly enter heaven's most holy place because of the blood of Jesus. By his death, Jesus opened a new and life-giving way through the curtain into the most holy place. By his death, I'm just going to repeat that again, Jesus opened a new and life-giving way. Jesus opened the connection of the Trinity and said, come on in. That's what he did, didn't he? He opened the love, the, the self-giving love within the triune God, and he said, come and have community with us. And since we have this great priest who rules over God's house, let us go right into the presence of God with sincere hearts, fully trusting him. Let us go into the presence of, of, of God with sincere hearts, with, with exactly who we are, with the reality of who we are, not with something we've created out there, but with the realness, the realness of who we are. Real, let's relate. And then it says, for our guilty consciences have been sprinkled with Christ's blood to make us clean and our bodies have been washed with pure water. Verse 23, let us hold tightly without wavering to the hope we affirm for God can be trusted to keep his promise. Let us think of ways to motivate one another to acts of love and good works. And let us not neglect our meeting together, as some people do, but encourage one another, especially now that we, that the day of his return is drawing near. 
I'll just say that again. Let us not neglect meeting together as some people do, but let's encourage each other, especially now that the day of his return is drawing near. Especially now that it's so tough to be real and authentic in a world that esteems how we look and how we present ourselves. Let us draw near with sincere hearts, with the reality of what's inside of us. How do we respond to being real, to relating, and to taking risk for true connection? No amount of socializing, as much as and as great as it is, and as much as we need it, will ever fill the void inside of our hearts, hey? I can reach out to a friend, I can be vulnerable, I can say, hey, let's get, to connect. Let's get together, I'm feeling lonely. And yet at the same time, while that might help, no amount of socializing will ever, ever mend the disconnect and the, the gaping, the, the hole that we feel inside of our hearts. The disconnection that we experience is that our world experiences because we're disconnected from the love of God. And so t- tonight, um, I want us to get really real, to get really raw, and, and to get really hungry uh, because I believe that, that God wants to impress upon us in a fresh way the love that he has for us. You know, in those moments of feeling so lonely and so disconnected, I felt the Holy Spirit say to me, you are bold, you are strong, and you are courageous. And that's like not a scripture anywhere, but it was the Holy Spirit pressed upon my heart. You're bold, you're strong, you're courageous. And tonight the Holy Spirit has equally awesome things to say to you guys. You know, it's sometimes easier to talk about him than to relate to him. And tonight, we want to facilitate a space where we can go, God, what do you have to say about me? Who do you say that I am? What hole in my heart are you looking to fill? What aching, burning things that I've been longing for do you want to talk to me about tonight? I believe there's also some of you here tonight that um, you've got lots of people, you've got lots of friends, you've got everything that looks like it's all perfectly put together and you do have a lot of resources but the enemy has pressed upon you that you are alone and that you've got no one and that you are disconnected and 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 I think so there's two things tonight that we're going to stand for and believe for the first is that God just wants to speak to you about the love that he has for you and the second um is is that we're just going to believe for any lies of the enemy around who you are to be broken off so that you can step into exactly who God says that you are and so that you can see everything that he's put in your world for this present moment to be exactly what God wants for your world right now. You know, I, I know what it's like to be on your social media feed and to be scrolling and scrolling and going, oh, I wish I, I wish, I wish this, I wish that. You know, how many of us have done that? Oh, I wish I had a better house. I wish I had that job. Oh, I wish I was there right now. That looks really cool because this right in here is like not as cool as what's happening over there. I mean, how many of us, I wish that my life was different. And I think God wants to impress upon us that what he's put in front of us and who he's put around us is exactly where he needs us to be right now. That if we keep wishing and wanting to be somewhere else, we're going to miss exactly what God wants for us in this very very moment. So Matt, can I just ask that you'd come and, and, and guys, we're just going to respond to to some of this and, and just to open our hearts and, and just ask the Holy Spirit um, just to touch us in a fresh way.
Absolutely. We say thank you, Eliane. That was thank you. Thank you for being open and real with us. Yeah.